This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. It's the year 2024. A brand new year. Here with the future. Flying cars. Societal consciousness. And human harmony. Y'all know that's a bunch of bala shit right there, right? <laughs> it's a new year, but it is the same old bullshit happening. And the great thing of an election year. Oh, yes, because both those candidates are so amazing and such great men of God. Woo! This profane base. <laughs> have enemies within our country. I think it's a combination of demonology and psyop. The citizens are going to rise up and become deputized. I have always supported President Trump. I, I like the way he talked. He reminded me of most men. Joe Biden last night in the debate, hes it's like he's not even a human being. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism. Can you imagine repatriating all the black Americans that Pat just spoke about to Africa? Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, or even out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. And look, we won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'll be your host, Daniel White Hodge. All right, here we are. Here we are, folks. Oh, another year, another time, another era. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's pretty much the same old, same old for me. I am not. Uh, <laughs> well, first of all, first off, Happy New Year for those of you who are faithful listeners and have uh, continued the uh, pathway of profane faith. Um, here we are, another year, and, and still in season seven. Man, this is going to be the season uh that uh, might go forever i don't know i don't know if we'll go into a season eight or not uh but we'll see we'll see um i know that uh, i have a, some some really good interviews coming up for y'all and i'm excited for that and um so yeah we're here i took a little break as i'm sure you could tell um over the holidays um you know that's usually the case for a lot of podcasters usually over the holidays, take some time off. Not everybody, um, but I did. And uh, so hopefully uh, you got a chance to catch up. Um, if this is your first time listening to Profane Faith, welcome. Thank you for checking it out. Uh, by all means, go and check out uh, other episodes. We have an archive. This is, uh, what is this, our eighth? No, seventh year, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes, seventh year. This will be, we're going into our seventh year. We started in 2017. Um, and here we are, 2024. Um, it's kind of a trip. Um, and you know, I've, I've gone back and forth, like, what does the show need? Where do we need to go? I've talked a little bit about this on the show before. Um, 
But here we are. Guests keep popping up like the one I'm going to introduce you to today. And um, we just it's just it's it's great. Um, and so I don't know. I, I, I love I love doing the, doing the show and the people I get to meet uh, through as a result of Profane Faith is amazing. Um, and I you know, the topics that we cover, I think, are very timely as well. Uh, again, if you go back to the archive, you'll see, you know, some of the big ones, you know, we covered Jesse Smollett, uh, you know, uh, the mass killings. I remember that one that happened in Las Vegas had a special episode on that. We talked a lot about guns and, you know, gun control and um, in regards to, you know, just kind of the mass killings uh, that have been happening in this country and will continue to happen because nothing's changed. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've. We've hit on some things. We've hit on some things. Uh, we talked about "This Is America." If you haven't ever heard that uh, song before, uh, by um, my man uh, <laughs> Glover, uh, Danny Glover's son. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, "This Is America" is, was was really good. Oh, Childish Gambino. There you go. Um, you know we've so we've covered some 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 good things. So check it out. Check it out. Check out the. Uh, the you know the archive the archive has a lot of good stuff there for you so I'm I'm I'm, I'm paying my bills so they should still be up <laughs> on the server should still be there um, but welcome here 2024 we are here it's um, you know I am not big on New Year's resolutions uh, if you've listened to the show for a while you know I've talked about that as well I won't have to beat a dead horse on that. Um, but, uh, you know, I do think there are some interesting things that happen as a new year enters. Um, I think there's always the standard reflection that happens right at the end of one year, start of another, you know, there's, there's that, um, you know, and reflecting on a lot of different things, right? The past year, uh, accomplishments, uh, failures, um, you know, where we've been, where we're going, um, you know, so I, I, I think that's, I think that's always important. I think that's part of any, um, intellectual, anyone who is a thinker, anyone who is an integrated adult who has any kind of emotional capacity. I think you have to reflect. Um, otherwise I think we get stagnant and, uh, you know, and hopefully that reflection leads to growth. Uh, and not the, you know, white supremacist, oh, we got to always grow and we always got to, you know, have something new. But I'm just simply talking about like rather than getting stagnant, I feel like a lot of people who are the Trumpers, who are the QAnon folks, who are the flat earthers, who, you know, uh, just stagnated out. Right. At some point, it's like they went to a certain point of their own knowledge and ideological structure and then just stopped. And it's like, I'm going no further. Now, part of that is religion. Religion, especially evangelical Christianity, you know, it breeds non-thinkers, right? You get to a certain level. As long as we all think the same, we're good. Okay. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that here when I get into this this interview with my guests. Um, you know, and especially on big issues like wedge issues, right? Abortion, gay marriage, um, as it pertains to um, you know, all the things, right? You know, voting rights, <laughs> you know, whether January 6th was an insurrection or a patriotic act, 
those type of things, right? Evangelical Christianity. Um, and I do mean the lump sum because if you've been on the show long enough, you know, I've been an advocate for tearing it all down and starting it over. There's, there's nothing to salvage from evangelical Christianity. I mean, people, yes. Uh, but ideologically wise, it needs to be burnt down to the ground and, and we, we, we just, need, we, we can start over. We have enough minds to do that. Um, but I don't want to become stagnant and I think it's easy to become that as I get older, this is my birthday year. Uh, so it's like, you know, you turn another year. Um, and you know, that's, that always is a time of reflection. I think birthdays as an adult, at least for me have been interesting, uh, just cause you know, it's not the same. Well, especially when I was in high school In high school, I didn't tell anybody my birthday cause I didn't want, I didn't want to get beat up. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Uh, I always told people it was like in June or something like that. Uh, because cats would, cats would do that. Cats would pin you down and you know, you know, um, especially like dudes, right? Cause they got, oh, got to beat everybody up, you know, give them their, give them their birthday comeuppance. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, it's a year to, to think, okay, wow. Another year gone by, <laughs> um, another year, another decade, um, oh my, you know, and, and it just is that reflective nature. Right. And so I think those things are important. That's all I'm really trying to say. I think those things are important. I encourage folks to do that. However you want to do it. Um, and looking back, what were some areas, what were some things? And again, I don't want to look at this in the individualistic, oh, we got growth. And now we take these five steps towards like, this ain't the Anthony Robbins shit crap talk about you know betterment and improvement but i do believe that there is something in acknowledging okay this is where we're going like, like what can i reflect on it's one of the reasons why i i still like reading stuff that i don't agree with because <laughs> it gets me thinking it gets me it gets me to be like wait a minute really hold up right um and it gets me to to to, to put my mind to work. How do I engage with stuff that I don't agree with? Now, I agree. <laughs> there is stuff that's just out there. Like, I'm not going to be uh, uh, an agreeer with somebody who believes in QAnon. I'm not going to be an agreeer with somebody who believes that Trump should be president and is from God. So, right, I'm not going to agree with fascism. Uh, I'm not going to think that Nazis are okay, right? <laughs> I'm not going to agree that, well, you know, Hitler had some good points. I'm just not going to agree with that, right? I don't think, um, and you know, and as a teacher, I think it says something that I, I, I have to say that at the beginning of the class, like all opinions are not valid. <laughs> okay. Let's just put that out there. Um, if you hate, uh, if you want to see my existence eradicated, if you want to see me subjugated to your power, uh, under your power, then no, your opinion doesn't, doesn't matter to me. <laughs> it just doesn't. Right. If you think that a certain percentage of people or certain people, you know, their genitalia should be controlled. If you believe that, uh, 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 you know, that certain people shouldn't get married. No, I don't No, <laughs> I don't want to hear that opinion. Um, and we're really getting to that point, right? It's like, well, whose opinion is going to win? Um, cause it's really to the point now where people aren't apologizing anymore. It's like, like, this is what I believe. Fuck you. If you don't believe it. And guess what? Um, I got other people who believe this way, so I must be right. And you are completely wrong. Um, and I just, it, it saddens me that we're still having conversations around <laughs> what is right. What is wrong? Like the basics of it. Like, no, you shouldn't hate people. No, you shouldn't be trying to drown people at the border. 
right? Um, it, it, those type of things. I'm just like, wow. But that's what that's where we're at. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Um, you know, and I get that the border conversation is much more complex than just you know um, having barricades and stuff like that up. Um, but nevertheless, I don't think we should be drowning people. <laughs> At the border, especially when you look at the history and of the folks who are coming across that border. When you think about Venezuela, when you think about uh, different parts of Central America and how those places have been destabilized from the U.S. over the last 60 to 70 years. Um, and now those chicken heads is coming home to roost, right? <laughs> and, and I'm not saying the people are chicken heads. I'm just saying that those ideological structures are coming back and saying, wait a minute, those governments are toppling over. The ones that we were supporting as freedom fighters and people who were, you know, now that corruption is spreading. And now we're, people are wondering because they don't know history. You don't know history, right? People don't know the Iran Contra scandal, right? And what happened with that and how crack cocaine ended up in this country, right? Um, people don't, people don't remember us being friends with the Taliban. People don't remember any of those things, right? We were friends with the Taliban as long as we were fighting the Russians, right? Oh man, it's it's a crazy history, and I think part of it is those in power have mystified the process, uh, so that you think and you don't see the real <laughs> what is going on. Um, so I think there's yeah, there's there's a lot there. There's not going to be no history lesson podcast, uh, but we at some point should be talking about you know what is happening, why so many folks from Central and Southern South America um are wanting to come up this way there's there 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 has to be it's not just because the u.s is you know just the the greatest of all nations of ever there's there's more to that we got to ask those questions um not that they're necessarily not that asking those questions would make it uh better but nevertheless uh it is something to think on all right let me get to uh my guest uh this week um i actually met them online as I do a lot of people. And yeah, I think it was actually either Irene Cho or Angie Hong uh, who posted a really very poignant post on Instagram. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes. Y'all should see it for yourself. Uh, and it was just talking about how this person had been fired from uh, Fuller. And um, it just, it was just like, oh man, this is, I gotta have this person on the show. Um, her name's uh, Ruth, excuse me, Ruth, Ruth Schmidt, um, and I was like, I just reached out, just cold called, and was just like, hey, I love what you posted. Um, she's talking about basically how she was made to, to fuller, you know, you know, a lot of these evangelical institutions, uh, you know, want you to sign these covenants, these 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 faith statements. In other words, like you know, to to make sure you know you're part of the club. Um, and oftentimes, you know, as much as I feel like Fuller taught me to think and to really, you know, critically engage, uh, it's, it's almost shameful to say that I went there, uh, because of their stances on human sexuality. Um, because so much of it is bullshit <laughs> and, uh, uh, it, you know, how are you going to let good people go? Um, just because of what somebody does with th how they identify sexually again, that's what I'm saying. Evangelical Christianity needs to be burnt down just on just on on that principle alone. Right. On how we look at particularly women's bodies, how we look at birth control, how we look at how we procreate. I mean, 
in any other situation and ruth and i talk a little bit about this here you know you would be ass out fired the whole night you don't I, you don't think about that think about going into an office and somebody asking you about your sex life like hey you know how often you you know are you are, are you you know are you are you staying strong are you not having sex are you not beating your meat you know crazy shit like that so when she posted this thing and talking about how she got fired because she wouldn't sign this because you know her own consciousness um of just like no i'm not going to go against the folks that i've been called to serve and be engaged with and they're like all right peace you out uh, um that's just come on man because that's one of the things right if you don't agree with me <laughs> right fuck you well we're gonna fire you uh if we don't agree with me uh then you know <laughs> you you your ass is gonna be out <laughs> that's the you know and that's the stuff that i've fought uh, you know most of my career right somebody doesn't like what you're doing well let's let's go after your livelihood right right how sinister and evil is that because because that's what jesus did right that's exactly what jesus did if you don't agree with me fuck you we're gonna just fire your ass right um but again religion this is what religion promotes and particularly evangelical christianity think like us act like us be like us and if not you're not us um and ruth took a stand and i was like god bless you let's get you on the show she agreed um and i was so thankful um she's completing uh her ordination with the united church of christ she received her mdiv in 2022 from fuller uh and she has her undergraduate journalism degree from the university of missouri kansas city she worked as an advertising copywriter for a decade before seminary she actually did some whole things on voiceovers and everything man she's very talented i'm like oh this is awesome especially awesome when you get to record with somebody who has amazing gear but anyways her bivocational ministry background is in church planning, and she has completed national church planning residencies with both the Southern Baptist and the PC USA. She's going to get into her background there a little bit with that as well. Her most recent publications are Bible studies on Boaz and Mary in the Good and Beautiful Bible Study Volume 2. She enjoys going to the dog park with her shepherd named Hero and hosting potluck dinners around the bonfire in her backyard. Um, amazing person. I'm really thankful to have her on the show and to just get to talk to her uh, about just all this crazy bullshit that's going on, especially as it pertains to my alma mater, uh, that oftentimes I don't necessarily feel that comfortable in saying I went there, but I did. Um, and nevertheless, uh, it does not make them any more, uh, you know, my, my way of thinking was birth there um there are some great professors there and uh there are people there who don't agree with that but also i get when you have your livelihood about to be taken from you you know that's a lot that's a lot that evilness is, is runs deep um especially within like i said evangelicalism white evangelicalism is, is especially that way right if you don't if you don't agree with us we're gonna fire ass um right on the spot well, Ruth took it and she's doing amazing things. Uh, and this is my conversation with her. Side note, um, just because I ran out of time, uh, um, I didn't get a chance to talk. I really want to talk about uh, Dr. Claudine Gay. Uh, the, if those of you don't know, now the former uh, president of Harvard University, uh, African-American woman, uh, a colleague of mine wrote an amazing article uh, on the grill and i i really want to have some conversations around 
black folks, especially black women serving in leadership positions in higher education institutions, because, oh my gosh, this article, amazing. I could agree on so many points because I've lived them. Um, and granted, I'm not a black woman, but just as a black man and, and being tenured and being a full professor, realizing that I'm part of a very, very small percentage um, of, of particularly black folks in higher education who have that status and that title. Um, so I just a side note, I ain't forgot. There's just a lot of shit happening right now. Um, and you know, we're just gonna go keep going on forward. So enjoy this conversation with Ruth and I, here we go. Well, Ruth, welcome to the show. Welcome to Profane Faith. Thank you for accepting the friend request just at random uh, and replying. <laughs> it was so fun. It was it was a fun and received. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I got a message from, I don't know who it was. I'm trying to think if it was either Irene or um, uh, it might have been... Um, Oh man, I've had uh, uh I've had her on the show too. Uh Tamisha, maybe Tamisha Tyler. Maybe Tamisha Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tamisha and I um yeah, are friends as well. And it was just talking about your experience at Fuller. I want to get into that. Um but I got to ask everybody the same question. What's been happening from birth to now? What has gotten you where you're at now and all the things in between? <laughs> <laughs> what a question. Yes. Indeed. Oh man. Um, my journey, um, raised a good old homeschooled kid, super conservative, um, adjacent to like Southern Baptists. Okay. Um, went into advertising and church planting. I did advertising agency world for about 10 years as a, as a writer, did the corporate thing at the wow. same time I was helping plant churches in, uh, downtown Kansas city. Okay. And, um, moved out to Pasadena where I'm at now to attend Fuller and, uh, switch careers. Fuller convinced me that women can preach. Okay. Uh, they got some good Bible teachers over there. So here I am. I'm I'm on my path to be ordained. I walked an ordination path with the Presbyterians for about four years. I was on staff at a church. And then as the spirit does in the sneaky way of, <laughs> of holiness, pushed me to a new denomination. So now I'm getting ordained with the United Church of Christ. Okay. All right. UCC, correct? If I, if I, right. Okay. All right. All right. Um, so why, why ministry? Why not stay in the lucrative enter entertainment industry? Or at least I guess it can be lucrative if, <laughs> if you stay long enough. Uh, but in the meantime, it can be, you know, challenging. But, I, but I'd be curious, aside from that, just like why professionalize church work? Yeah, I think... I see my heart, my heart is pulled in that way because I see that there are sacred rhythms to life. And um, a lot of times the busyness of our lives and um, running around doesn't allow space for that. And so being someone that curates a sacred space, people did it before me, they did it for me. And now I'm, I feel called to offer that back to them. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still trying to work out what that looks like. The church mm. is changing so radically. Like we're in one of those 500 year massive shifts yeah. in, in Christianity. So yeah, how awesome to be a part of that too. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that. Like who knows what's going to, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that there's a, it's, it's like being around when, you know, continents shift and oceans reform and everything. I feel like that's part of, what 
you know, there's this huge deconstructive part uh, that's going on, right? And I think folks are fi- trying to figure out, particularly for the U.S. Um, and whatnot. Um, so what 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 got you then to Fuller? Why not? Like, if you were already growing up conservative, what brought you to Fuller? Because, you know, it depends on who you talk to, right? Some people are like, Fuller's too progressive. They're too liberal. Other people say, man, it's just another conservative evangelical university. So it really depends. But I'd be curious how you made the leap from conservative, this whole thing, and now to where you're at now. Like, what what some of that process might have looked like? Yeah, I think the beautiful thing about Fuller is that for the conservatives, it's too liberal. And for the liberals, it's too conservative. And they haven't always walked that line super well, but that is their goal. And uh, what, I mean, honestly, I'm going to be real with you. When I I heard I was church planting um, with the Southern Baptist, so I couldn't pastor, but um, I went to a conference and it Mm -hmm. was a multi-denominational conference and a woman got up and preached at this conference. And I was like, hold the phone. Women can do this my heart just went on fire. And so I I Googled uh, churches in Kansas City that have women pastors. Yeah. I called them. I called her and I was like, hey, can I take you out for a beer and you can tell me why you think it's okay for you to be a pastor? <laughs> she said, yes. And then I said, where'd you go to seminary? She said, Fuller. And I said, that's where I'm going. So that was it. That's the only okay. place I applied. Okay. I quit my job. I sold my house. I packed wow. up my SUV. and uh, And here I am. Wow. 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 That well, you know, a lot of stories are like that too. I mean, right. Um, it, it, you know, when you think about, you know, folks just coming, especially to right to Southern California, I mean, that's, you know, that's a, that's a place. I mean, I'm originally from, uh, Pasadena. So it's like, I, I, I get that of people coming to SoCal and all that. So. I didn't know this was home for you. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still got my old 626 number, you know, that I, that Aww. I keep and stuff, which always confuses people when I go back to LA and I rent a car. I got an Illinois ID, but it's like, wait, your cell phone's 626. I'm like, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> what are some of the things, like, like I said, I saw this post. I wanted to talk more about it. It, said, it started off with, and for those listening, I'll put this in the show notes as well and link you to it. For the theological seminary, fire me for becoming a pastor. Um, before we get into that, what were you doing at Fuller? Were you an employee? Where did you graduate? Because I know there was some stuff in, uh, I don't know, about four or five years ago, some issues came up. And it, I think it went all the way to the California Supreme Court as well of somebody living in a same-sex relationship or something like that. And they got kicked out. But I, but I, but I wasn't sure. But you, yeah. you break it down to me. No, you're right. You're right. In 2019, yeah, there was a case. Um, and there was actually another one more recently. Um, but oh, in 2019, there was a a woman who had gotten almost all the way through her program at Fuller and, and had felt very uh, welcomed. But then someone in uh, the financial department admissions saw that, that the name on her documents, um, that, that she was married to a woman. And so I think it was just like a, a quarter left in her degree. And Fuller said, you're out of here. Um, so that that mm. case did go. It got thrown out. Um, but Fuller hired the 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 hobby the famous Hobby Lobby, hobby attorneys. Lo- yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which probably cost them a pretty penny. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, her name was Joanne Maxson. I think if okay. I'm right, if I'm, if I'm saying it right. But okay, um, I haven't met her. Um, but, uh, and my situation is pretty different. I, I am an alum. I got my MDiv from Fuller and then I've been on staff or until, until this Tuesday, I was on staff for five years. I actually just wow. got, I'll show you. 
I actually just got my five-year pin in the mail. Oh. The se- like the day before I was terminated. Oh, 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 oh man. So, yeah, five years. Five years there. I was serving as a senior director um, and working with some honestly brilliant, kind, wonderful people. Mm. Um, but they've just got some stagnant rules that have not been looked at carefully enough. And uh, as someone who's being ordained into a denomination that marries gay folks, right? I take... I take my ordination vows very seriously, and that um, it goes up against what Fuller was asking me to sign. Um, so that's why I was like, sorry, can't sign it. Uh, what you going to do about it? We went through a three-month round and round, like meetings, process, policy. I gave them a legal rider. I tried to get, you know, negotiate a path yeah. forward where we could come to the table. Yeah. Uh, no, no can do. So here I am unemployed. <laughs> I laugh, but it's because I think I'm still like processing. No, oh, absolutely. No. I, yeah. No. I mean, what is it about? Okay. Well, let me, let me back up with that too. Cause again, I'm reading your thing. It's a, it was just like, uh, as a student or faculty member caught breaking the standard. They are basically the community standards that state that sex is for a man and a woman who are married to one another. Why is it? I mean, in in any other place, I would imagine you would go to, and if it was anything about genitalia and who you have sex with, I would imagine lawyers would be all down people's asses for that shit. I mean, you know, you don't show up to Walmart and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, who you having sex with? You know, it's like, where you start working with here? You know, what what are the kinky things you like? I mean, I just feel (laughs) like, what is it about sexuality that, that Christianity, in particular evangelicalism, just gets ass backwards. Mm, yeah, I think, and I'll, and I'll be totally fair. I'm like in full respect of Fuller's uh, right to religious freedom. Sure. Um, I'm like, great. This, this is something that actually I want to have be safe in our country. Like I want it as much as they have the right to have it. Sure. sure. Um, I think the problem is, and um, I'll, I'll just use some, legal language for a minute here, but like in order for Fuller to be considered um, a nonprofit, a religious nonprofit corporation, that's the like legal language. Okay. Um, oh God, I lost my train of thought in order for them to be considered a legal nonprofit religious organization. Yes. They all have to internally hold that belief, whatever it is they, they can have it. And any, any religious nonprofit can hold whatever beliefs they want. However, it has to be sincerely Held, and that's also some ling- some legal language. Sincerely held belief, all, all the way through leadership. Um, so, at a school, I would guess that would be the leadership team. That would be the deans. That would be the board. Um, Fuller cannot, in a court of law, prove that right now. Mm-hmm. They have conflict in all of those tiers. So, whatever they want to say about what people do with their bodies or their genitalia or whatever. They have to agree on that in order to get that tax exemption or the tax exemption, but also that exemption from, um, honestly, any other job would be taken to task over this. Oh, like, yeah. you've got to prove you're a religious nonprofit to have such weird rules. <laughs> wow. Wow. So that's, that's kind of where I was trying to stick it to Fuller and be like, hey, look, all good if you can prove it. I know right now you can't. So can we just have an honest conversation about what is going on at the school? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. One, I think, yeah, once you start getting into legal stuff, le- legality and, 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 and language around that always 
is interesting, right? When you start thinking about, you know, meanings of words and semantics and 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 and, and rhetoric and how those things come out. Um but for you it was like you was like, I can't sign the document that dehumanizes the queer Christians that I you were called the pastor. Talk a little bit about that and what um the, those ramifications and I mean and honestly what what got you to that point? You know what I'm saying? I'd be I'd be curious mm. to hear that that portion of your story too. <clears throat> yeah, I I knew even when I was a deacon at a more conservative church in Kansas City, I, I had a lot of uh, queer friends and I would mm. have them over for bonfires. And I was like, there's something very honest and real about these people's stories. Like they're not trying or choosing <laughs> to be gay, to be queer. Yeah. Uh, they're just being honest with me about who they are. Mm -hmm. And so my circle started because that's the one thing about my upbringing that I am just so grateful for, even though it was very, very conservative. Mm -hmm. Um bordering on like cultish upbringing, hospitality and kindness was always a really big part of my upbringing. And okay. so that thread has just guided my ministry. And and even when I didn't agree with theologically with same-sex marriage, uh, my heart was just like, I want to listen and care for these people. They're mm -hmm. made in God's image. You listen to enough of those stories and something starts to just change in your mind because yeah. you hear these folks are being genuine, you know? Um and then I myself found that I was queer, mm. <laughs> which took me by surprise. Uh, good old um, sexuality and ethics class at Fuller Seminary. Um, you, you, you know, I, I give it to the school. They know how to have honest conversations about things, um, even things that they don't agree with. So I sat in that room and I was, you know, listening and reading those texts. And I was like, oh, shit. Like some of the things that I've been experiencing that I thought were just normal for women who are heterosexual, other heterosexual women aren't, aren't having these thoughts, aren't having these conversations with themselves, aren't having these things in their prayer life. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I think I'm bisexual. And so I came out actually while I was at Fuller because of studying the Bible and studying theology with Fuller professors. So, yeah, um, I mean, they brought this on themselves. No, <laughs> No, I, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, I'm with that. I mean, I know I, I say a lot of that too. I mean, it's like, I, you know, when I, I, I did my doctorate there. And so it, I would say that I, it, it helped me to critically process and think through material, which mm. ultimately led for me to where I'm at now. So I, I say the same thing. I'm just like, well, y'all the ones who, who started all this stuff, man. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, so talk a little bit about just the, you, you, you're talking about in the post, I refuse to sign the policy without a legal writer to protect me. And you were terminated. What was, and, and again, feel free, feel free to stop. I mean, I get, I know legality and if stuff is in process, I already know like, Hey, just tell me like, nah, I can't get into that or whatever. I totally get that. Mm. Um, I I've been subpoenaed enough, uh, for, uh from, <laughs> from folks and been around enough situations where stuff was on the line. So I, I get that. Uh, but you know, if, if you can share, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, I wrote a letter to the president um, and that's posted on my link tree. If you go to link tree slash Ruth Schmidt, okay. people can read a copy of the letter. I, in there, I state that I'm not taking legal action against Fuller. Um, I did talk to a handful of lawyers and eventually just, honestly discerned with the spirit that my call was to be an internal voice at Fuller and okay. to call Fuller to a higher standard um, from within. Fuller's been sued enough and they don't respond to public 
discipline as a chance for moral realignment. Fuller has not. Mm. I, I've just been around the school long enough yeah. to see yeah. the, the lawsuits aren't working. Right. So, right. Um, and I care enough about the school that I don't want to take them down. I want them to change and thrive and be healthy and have everyone have a safe place there to talk about God and Jesus. So, um, yeah, I knew the I knew the signing was coming. And so end of September, I uh, drafted this legal writer. I started meetings with my supervisors in October. And it was about a three-month process of that writer going through review mm-hmm. um, all, all the way up the chain of command. It went to the legal counsel at Fuller. Um, it went to the director of HR. Um, the president was informed of my pending termination before it happened. So Fuller handled everything by the book, like letter of the law. It was it was handled very, very well. Um, it's really, it's on the board of trustees that that writer couldn't be accepted. Uh, okay. I, I j- I genuinely think some people internally on staff would have been like, we would love to accept this writer. <laughs> like, thank you for writing it. It actually makes our life easier. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, uh, the, the table, the table of, of uh, we, we come to the table of Christ uh, very different as Christians, uh, but we can't coerce each other into believing certain things, especially when we're not in a church. We're at a school, you know? Right. I mean, it's just a different place. And we're at a school that has an amazing accredited psychology program. Well, that's with, right. Yeah. 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 Doctors who are going to go out and they're going to be caring for queer people. And so right now to be able to uh, even have a healthy dialogue is a part of the education for those psych students. Um, so we've got we've got more fish to fry than just our theology, our ethics, um, our legal bullshit problems uh we've got actually accreditation issues that i think uh are gonna come around and bite them if if they don't get it straightened out soon so well, i don't I, know i kind of took a rabbit trail there but no, was no, that- no that's good that is that is that is good I, I i think that's one of the things right that that gets me i mean especially since you know the american psychological association a while back even said like no we're not we're not saying gay people are mentally challenged. We're not going to go and counsel people to change from that, you know? So there was like this whole public thing, like, and so APA stands up. So I'm just like, wow, if y'all accredited again, just some of the, 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 yeah. the misses with that. I, I would, I wouldn't want to be in that seat, but I'd be so curious to hear how people handle that conversation when it comes to accreditation. Right. Um, because you lose that. I mean, I've been in higher education long enough to know that you lose that. That's it. Right. That's, you know, you can, you're, you're dead in the water. Um, talk a little bit about this coercion that you're, you mentioned that a couple of times. It's just that like this coercion that comes and I fully agree. I think there's a lot of coercion. I mean, all down from purity culture language, all down to like, Oh, you better worship God. or you going to burn in hell? You know? And so there's, you know, even just how evangelicals see the body. Um, and so I, I, I'm with you on that, but I'd be curious how that came out for you and just how, how you saw some of that language or just some of those actions as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think when I come at it from that theological lens of, of coercion, what I want the board of trustees to understand is there's a discrepancy in the way that they're asking students to behave and what's enforceable. Uh, some of the very sacred uh, <clears throat> covenantal things that many Christians say are, are mandatory, baptism, for example, is not a part of the fuller statement of faith, or you don't have to be baptized to go to school there. So 
it's really weird to me that that in that sense, they're not going to be coercive and say, you better get baptized before you enroll or before you go on staff. Mm-hmm. But they are going to be coercive in if you're queer, one, we're kind of disappointed you're queer. And two, why are you coming here if you're queer? And three, you better not be married if you're queer. And so it, to me, it just reeks of homophobia influencing theology. It's not actually enforceable anyways yeah <laughs> i think think about all the straight students having sex in student dorms and that no oh one's my calling, God. Right. calling them out like, <laughs> right right so yeah so and unmarried straight folks um <clears throat> and so i just think you know how, are we supposed to just like put cameras in people's bedrooms to check up on them like how is this actually supposed to be enforced and how disrespectful of it of of a behavior is that to mm-hmm. look at the future pastors of america and say we don't trust you to discern with the spirit and to discern with your governing body and with your denomination and with your church about your own sexual practices. We don't trust you to do that. And so we're going to send you out right. with an MDiv, but you're going to have to be a little kid while you're here and just listen to our little rules. And uh, it's just so disrespectful. And so that word coercion, um, that it came from my experience and how I felt, honestly. I just mm-hmm. felt, I felt coerced. I felt yeah. like the school was at odds with the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, that's not that's not a work of Christ. I, I just don't see Jesus behaving that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, neither do I. Um, and, and any of the, well, and really any of the, the literature, whether you want to look at the stuff that's in canon, stuff that's out of canon, you, if you want to get into, you know, other material that's out there, I just don't see Jesus coming at people that i mean he'll come at you like Mm. he'll tell you what's up like you Mm. know what i'm saying he'll hold you to the fire but it's like there's there's a sense of hey it's gonna have to be on you like even with the rich young ruler right i mean it wasn't just like oh you better follow me man that money i don't know man one of these days you're gonna be messed up you be fucked up, bro. You, you gonna burn. But your choice. You know what I'm saying? I mean that yeah. that those type of things. And where do you find yourself? And just kind of the state of where we are. You talked about this changing faith, the religion, theology. I mean, I I attended Fuller over 20 years ago. Now, I mean, it's 2024. I'm like, oh my god. When I first entered, there was this talk of the emerging church right it was like you know and i knew most of those guys most of them were white cishet men or at least at the time mm-hmm. identifying as white cishet males um talking about postmodern this and postmodern that i mean that was kind of the a book title that would get you anywhere right it's like postmodern youth ministry postmodern you know worship ministry well it's like <laughs> oh my god i gotta i gotta go read that so i i'd be curious Folks are, at least when you look at the numbers, whether it be Pew, whether it be the American Religious Identification Survey, whether it be PRRI, people are leaving (laughs) and in drones, right? Even when I lived in L.A., there were churches, the ones downtown, the old ones who were just like, we got an old congregation. So we rent these things out to Buddhists, to Sikhs, uh, just so that we can keep the property. Right. So from your perspective, Cause you're you're you you are on more on the front lines than me. I'm I'm in Chicago. It's, it's cold right now. We expecting you know a couple inches of snow. So you you out there in, in the cuts, Ruth. <laughs> Break it down. Like what do you what do you see? And then ultimately, where do you see? And I know this is a futuristic type of talk, but where do you see your role in 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 that kind of 
unleveled, right? Because nothing is what we thought it was going to be. <laughs> mm. You know what uh, I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of people, this is a big season of grief. Yeah. Um, they're watching They're watching the church's decline. I think, you know, most, I just guest preached at a, a United Methodist Church this weekend, and there was less than 10 people mm-hmm. in the pews, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's the Sunday after the holidays, so there's some of that too. But even my own congregation, there's like maybe 20 people. So we're seeing the mainline decline happening. I mean, it's been projected for, for decades, but it is like, it is real right mm-hmm. now, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're saying. And um, there's going to be this transitional phase and this grief that is going to be need to be midwifed by mm. pastors. Who, they're going to have to see um, that there's a, there's a role for being um, a midwife and bringing about the mm. new birth. And there's also going to be a role for being a death doula and helping those churches die, die well. Ooh. That's where we see it. <laughs> Dog, as you said, death doula. Oh, my gosh. Break that down for some people who are just like doula, midwife. <laughs> What are you talking about? Um, but I whoa, that's that's deep. I like that. That should be your that should be your book right there, man. Death Doula. That right there. Oxford University Press. You should put that joint out right now. I I just yeah, I think there's a ending well and the seasonality of life, like it really matters how we end. And there is an end happening. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. still currently are trying to um they're trying to revitalize these mainline churches right. that are right. Yeah. And I just think every living organism has a life cycle. Yes. And and we need to not be afraid of death. We're the people of light of, and, and we need to see that that's God's with us in death too. So um, I know that that's glossing over uh, major amounts of pain and grief for people who are sad to see their churches die. But um, those of us who have the resilience to to, to walk by those folks, um, yeah, the death process is powerful. And out of that death comes new life. We've got a winter and then we've got a spring. So let's let's die well and let's pave the way for what's going to be birthed in the next season. Yeah, no, that's resonating right there. I think, well, it's one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of Christian conferences anymore, just because I'm like, yeah, I, I still get some of the Barner reports and I'm just, it's still that same language. It's like, oh, we're going to revive. Oh, we God has got a new generation coming on. I'm just like, dude. That's so focused on the family, 1987. Like, I'm, I'm, I, what is the next iteration of this thing? Um, and I don't necessarily think, you know, anybody, anybody who says, and that's for me always a red flag when anybody, somebody says, this is the next thing for the church and stuff. And even people who want to come on the podcast, I had a, somebody reach out to me and was just like, yeah, we want to get this person on so and so on. And they just wrote this national bestseller about discipleship and the next thing. And I'm like, ah, that, that ain't going to work over here. I don't know about this podcast. <laughs> Mine, I, I know they ain't going to work here. So, I mean, I, the, the death doula, the midwives, I, I absolutely agree. I also think there'll be a sense at some time in the future, right? Like folks will come back and be like, damn, we got rid of all the religion. Like, <laughs> What 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 do we do now, right? Like mm-hmm. where do where do we go um, with it? I don't know. That's just I'm just predicting. Yeah, years yeah. out. Um, I, I still think I still think that like holding spaces for people to have some quiet and to let the spirit speak, to be in nature, yeah. to be together in community, to be at the table and eat a meal. Yeah. Those are all places where church happens. Um, the church is not in the building. The church is with the people. Mm-hmm. So we've we've still got to be opening up our tables, having those conversations, gathering around the bonfire, passing the beers around. 
those that's where it's happening. And honestly, that's where people show up. I have a bonfire um, regularly here at my house and folks, mm. most of them are ex evangelicals. They're like, I can't go to a church. It's triggering. I step in, I feel judged. Um, yeah. but they'll come and they'll talk and we'll read poetry and someone will give a testimony. That's church, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's the hope I'm clinging to. <laughs> I like that. No, I like that. And that's kind of, there's the, the, one of the guys that I mentor still is, is kind of in that, 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 that phase and, and, and he's doing some of the same things, right? It's like church ended, they closed their doors I'm no longer getting a paycheck from this source, but there's still this sense need of, again, community coming together and really the, that informal, like, no, we ain't got to, I mean, I don't know what y'all do, but no, we don't have to necessarily sing six hymnals and read some kind of orthopraxis type of liturgy. Um, let's just be, right? Let's just yeah. be, especially for some of us that have come out of, I think like my deconstruction journey started years back long before people even put that language on it and so coming out of a black religious environment um was traumatizing because it's just like wait a minute like what the hell is going on here um so yeah, yeah you know what i'm saying i mean it it's yep there's a sense of just bewilderment when you come out of it and you're just like okay that was not right yeah 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 <laughs> and my there's my something to that go ahead well, my dream for the future is that as these uh, buildings and these structures and some of these institutions fall away, what will be left is people who are hungry to just look at the life of Christ and emulate it. Like, yeah. can we get back to that? Like that? Oh, that's my hope. And I think when people are like, we're going to lose the religion or we're not going to know where to go or we're not going to have any rules or descriptions or doctrine or creedal agreement or all that stuff. I'm like, we've got the words of Jesus. That should be enough. That'll gather us together. And honestly, for some of these like radical, awesome, left-leaning people I hang out with who still are looking for a moral compass, the words of Christ ring very true to the way they're living their lives. Sure, like, yeah. The, the social justice movement um, that all of them are pushing into. So, yeah, <laughs> it's exciting. It's it's scary, but I think it's exciting. It, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's there's something to it, and but there's something to it in a way that doesn't. That, that doesn't click with the way we've always done it, right? It's like there was always a roadmap, right? It's like, okay, you go to seminary, you put your time in, you get out, you got a job, very similar to where people are at right now with higher education in general. It's just like, well, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a job, I get out, I got a good career, and I'm going to stay there for the next 25, 30 years. Um, mm. And that doesn't just, happen anymore. right, <laughs> they ain't happening anymore. Um, so... There's a lot of shifts in that. So where do you see your own theology shifting? I mean, since you obviously were taught to think critically, thought to theologize, taught to to think beyond right your, your what you can see in front of you and not just accept, oh, yeah, no, women can't preach. And no, 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 it's not, you know, it's a sin for this and a sin for that. Um, how, how, have, how have you continued to develop, if that makes sense, that question? Yeah, absolutely. I think... When uh, when I was church planting in Kansas City, the, the church plant fell apart in a very, very hurtful way. Um, a lot of us walked away with a ton of relational pain, and some of us walked away from our faith completely. Uh, full respect for those people who did that. That, that was what they, what they needed. Um, sometimes you have to take a, a major step back in order to move forward. For me, what kept me going, um, I just have always experienced an intimacy with the Spirit. 
And so I would be out, you know, mowing my lawn, drinking a Miller light and just experience God in the sun and in mm. the fresh cut grass and be like, yeah. wow, wow, I'm loved. Like, I, I can't explain it, but I, but I can feel it. I know God is with me. I took years off from going to church because I was so burned, mm. but I would still have these practices of putting my hands in the earth, gardening, yeah. being with being with people around the fire. So my theology honestly grew out of um, being quiet, uh, taking walks, letting the spirit of God speak to me in nature. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is my North star. I, I mean, to be real honest with you, even while I was in seminary, it was hard for me to go to church because yeah, I had yeah. been so, so hurt. Um, right. And even it, it's kind of a blessing now that I'm like preaching regularly and pastoring and I'm getting to be in the word to prepare for these sermons. Hmm. Um, it's like reading a new Bible. It's just so beautiful. And so I'm just now getting to a place where when I go to the text, I don't feel condemned. Um, where as I'm preaching the words of freedom and grace and liberation to the people I'm getting to be with, those are words for me too. So mm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm learning, I'm learning, yeah. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm figuring it out. I have a lot of, uh, humility in, in how those things are changing for me, but, um, I just know that God's big enough and it's, it's, it's going to be okay. And I don't know what it's, what it's always going to look like, but I've just experienced such a nearness from God. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, I like that. Uh, I, I too. And one of the things I love about the Midwest is, is mowing the lawn and, yeah. uh, and getting out there. And like you said, putting hands in the dirt and, and planting and pH levels and fertilizer and all that good <laughs> stuff. There's something about that, you know, and don't yes. get me wrong. I, 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 I mean, I'm starting to learn to appreciate the seasons as a Southern California boy. I, I was just like, shoot, I don't need no seasons, just sunny and and 78. I'm good. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm learning <laughs> to appreciate the seasons. Did you, did you have to shovel snow like probably for the first time when you moved out there? I, I did. I did. Yes. I did. Luckily, my partner's from Minnesota. We uh, we met when we were both still in Young Life. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's his whole story in and of itself. Um, so I was in Cali. She was in she was in uh, the Twin Cities. Um, and so when her birthday's in February, so when I went to go see her, it was freezing. I literally left Cali and it was like 70 degrees in February. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be all right. You know, oh, thinking no. it'll be a Cali winter and woo, doggies. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought there was something wrong with the jetway when I felt that cold air come off the thing. I was like, what's wrong? What y'all doing, man? Why y'all got the air conditioning on? It's like, nah, bro. <laughs> That's winter. Yeah. Um, Chicago, Illinois goes hard. Like, <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, with climate change, I mean, there was just an article that came out yesterday. I mean, we've been living here now for what, 10, 11, 12 years. Um, our last six inches of snow was three years ago. Yeah, it's the same in Kansas City. My folks are telling yeah. they're like, it's just stopped snowing. It did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's kind of scary. The year I buy a snowblower is the year it stops snowing. I'm just like, you <laughs> bastards in the weather. You knew it. You knew <laughs> I had given up the shovel. Um, so Ruth, tell me a little bit about just where you find yourself in today's age. I'd be curious to know social media this is an election year 2024 i'm not looking forward to any of that mm, um no. there are there's obviously more than two candidates but all that we're given 
in terms of the popularity is two candidates. Um, I'm not very excited about those two candidates either. Um, but when you think about right, LGBTQI rights, uh, the amount of trans laws that have been passed, was it Oklahoma, uh, passed a no PDA, same sex PDA laws. I think they just came out. I mean, you can just kind of just keep going across the country. Right. And cause a lot of, particularly a lot of these red States, um, that are just passing just malicious, nefarious laws that, are nothing but going after a certain group of people. Where do you find ourselves? I mean, the, some of the, I mean, we've always been divided as a country. I mean, people was like, oh, we're all divided. I'm like, ah, man, just go back and read, read the newspaper in 1978 when Carter was president and there was an oil embargo and other. I mean, people, we were, we were divided. Maybe it wasn't as public because we didn't have Twitter or Instagram to yell about it, but it was there. So I'd be curious what you think and where, where you find ourselves just in conversations day to day, COVID. I mean, we didn't even talk about pandemic stuff, right? Masking up. Yeah, yeah. I I think speaking politically, I think it's going to be very fascinating to see. I'm I'm very active on um, Gen Z TikTok. All right, come on. <laughs> and those kids are stirred up right now um, about the genocide happening in Gaza and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the mass murder of the Palestinian people, specifically the Palestinian children, that right there is going to be what I think loses Biden the election. Gen Z is not going to play anymore. And we've had all these like Gen X, millennials, uh, you know, yeah, Gen Alpha is not playing the same game that the, the, that we were playing. The, the accepting the lesser of two evils. I think the time for that is coming to an end. Yeah. Um. And and they're gonna hold. You know, Gen Alpha is gonna hold us accountable. They're taking us to task. <laughs> so, yeah. um. That's that's the conversation I'm seeing happen right now. They're they're uh, they're kind of ready for a real democracy, and they're done playing this faux democracy that mm-hmm. we've been all saying um, is is good enough. So, yeah, it's gonna be really rough. Uh, another four years of Trump. Um, I'm, I'm almost, unless he gets like, you know, unless the law takes, takes course and he's banned from running, uh, we will have another four years of him. And um, it's going to be brutal, brutal. And yeah. the people who will get sacrificed are like you're saying on the margins uh, and the LGBT community is part of that. And these laws, uh, I think Florida just, uh, yeah, they just put another, another bill out and it's just like it's it's mm-hmm. relentless right and it it goes back to like this organization of the evangelical movement and um power and politics and this really gross gross marriage between evangelicalism and political power and thinking that somehow we can usher in the second coming of Christ with power when he 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 was here the first time to speak against that power like it just it has been the mark has been missed so grossly by evangelicals and understanding the nature and and the call of Christ and then how we translate that in public life. Um, we're we should not be about power and we're fucking it up because that's yes. that's where we're going. And yes. so it's sad. It makes me really really sad. I see I see a a country of people calling themselves Christians with no Christian behavior in their blood. Right. Yeah, I mean, it isn't it. That's 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 part of the interesting. When I say it's an interesting time we live in, is is the amount of religious folks that exist um, that really mirror so much of what Jesus was against, and yeah. and where he had his most strongest language too. Dare I say, dropped yeah. all kind of f bombs towards religious, pious people 
who who wanted nothing more but than power and 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 to hold those on the margins um yeah. at bay and yeah. and here we are right we find ourselves and i just i think about where we're at i mean and just you know slam that on top of climate change racial inequality the wealth mm-hmm. gaps that exist right yeah. an ongoing yeah. raging pandemic right and so it's kind of like whoo whoo all right yeah yeah, All it's right. a lot. You know, it's, like, a, it's wild time to be alive, right? <laughs> it is. This is a wild time. It's just, you know, I could see why, you know, uh, you know, edibles are so, you know, popular right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, they help me sleep. Yeah. I'm just going to say. <laughs> yeah, no, for real, for real. Um, So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, how it is in your job, you know, in terms of, you know, who you come in contact with, has there been any like hostility? I mean, I know right now I feel like anyone who stands up against some of these factions of power, right? Uh, you're not only met with people who say, oh, I disagree with you, but you're also met with people who say, no, I want to kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about our, our, our local UCC church here up the block and, you know, it's been attacked. It's been spray painted. It's been vandalized. Um, you know, to the point that they've got to have security, right? Because <laughs> you don't wow. know who's going to be entering that congregation and then just says, hey, today's the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I'd be curious how, you know, some some of that things, you know, that have that have come up um, that, you know, tends to make the news, whether, you know, whether it be mass shooting threats or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And you mean like in my, my church where I'm... Yeah, whether your church you mean, like, or just... Just going to the store. I mean, I know it's Southern California, but, you know, I, I also know Southern California has a lot of Republicans, GOP conservative heads as, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. If they come up from Orange County, um, that's when I get nervous. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's interesting. I, I think I've been a little, um, I don't want to say like deluded, but but sheltered from some of the consequences of speaking out because as I've stepped into um, this new theology that the spirit has called me into in Southern California, we're a pretty progressive part of the country. And so it's felt to me like I'm just coming up to speed. Like I'm just getting up to speed with what everybody else has been doing, especially in like community organizing and activism. I'm like, oh, this is, this is the right thing. This is what we should all be doing. And everybody's on the right page. And then, you know, I talked to my pastor about, you know, can we please put the pride flag outside? Can we do all this? And he's like, I'm afraid of like, you know, retaliation. Like I've Mm. had colleagues, you know, threats of bombs being put under their cars and stuff like that. So stuff that I'm like, Oh crap, you're right. Like I, I, um, that's, that's real. That's happening to folks. And so I think there, you know, there's Southern California or California overall has always had this conversation. Like we could be our own country and, you know, (laughs) we're going to separate from, and I'm like, we've got to stay united one of the main reasons is because we have to understand this struggle that we're all in includes the people who are getting hurt a little bit more and they they might be in other states who don't have as as uh, much justice um and even to take it out of a political conversation this isn't left and right this is just like human rights yeah <laughs> you know absolutely you know? yeah just pe- people being allowed to live um right. so yeah i think I think I, I forget. And like when I was in Kansas city, that's where I was raised. Um, you know, it, Kansas is not exactly on the cutting edge of much. Um, but I was aligned with that while I was there. That was my ideology, you know, up until 2016, I was, I was pretty chill with all that. I wasn't really, the fire had not been lit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, yeah. 
Well, let me ask you this too. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to. I could talk with you all day, but I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, more of your time. But I'd be, I'd be curious, like, you know, if somebody from Fuller was listening who actually had it, or maybe on the board of trustees, and I, I you know, at board of trustees, <clears throat> I got love hate relationship with all board of trustees. You know, whether they're, they're tripping, boy, he tripping, especially <laughs> the ones in my university. But that's for another conversation. Um. Yeah, I'd be curious, like, what would you what would you want to be said? What would you want to be heard uh, in regards to your situation and not only your situation, because I'm sure there's somebody else at Fuller right now in the same situation, same mm-hmm. predicament, same context. What would you want to say to to, to somebody in, in, in power at Fuller? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is that there are a lot of people hurting under under your leadership. And uh, continuing on is not just a, a matter of standing up for what you believe and trying to guide the people of God. It, it's it's actually a matter of the school surviving. Like we're at that point with Fuller where people are tired. The school is exhausted. This keeps happening year after year after year. And it's going to keep happening because there are many more people like me at Fuller. Mm-hmm. They just can't lose their jobs right now. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. And students who are in the PhD program, they can't, they got to get that PhD. So they're not going to talk to you about this while their career and their degree is on the line. I have so many people at Fuller who are like, I've just got to get this degree and get out. I don't agree with any of this. Um, and so that separation that often happens in organizations between the board and the staff and that, that just cavernous divide of information the board needs to figure out how to breach that and how to get and actually understand what's going on at that school. And it can't all be on the president. <laughs> I think that's one of the things we're like, yeah, well, that's the president's job. He's the liaison. He's supposed to, I'm like, that that's ridiculous. The board is huge. There's what, like 15 people on that board. They've yeah. all got email. They've got email addresses. They can reach out to us and get to know us. So I'd say, listen to the stories, uh, open up those lines of communication and don't put it all on the president. That's ridiculous. Plus he's the first black president Fuller has ever had. That is a massive undertaking on its own. Fuller has not exactly been known to be kind uh, uh, to the black to the black community. So I just, yeah, I think it's it's ridiculous when people are gonna try to put it all on him and tell him to figure it out and then come to them with the solution. I'm like, oh my gosh, right, yeah. right, 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 so, right. Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think it's important. I think you know, I, well, one of the things that you put in in this post that I that again that I love. You said, don't let your discouragement numb you. Progress is possible. Speak up. Email the president, Dr. Goatley, especially if you're if you're a student. I just did to consider leaving. You're working for an institution that is overtly uh, harming people. No, you can't quit tomorrow. But now is the time to make a plan. Even if it is a year from now, I invite you to make an exit strategy today. I should have left. Mm. Um, And that's you know, that's. That's a big, right? I mean, because it's like, I think where a lot of these organizations get us is I got to pay my rent. I got to pay my mortgage. I got, I got a kid. I, I got a kid on the way, or I just mm. got married or I just moved here. Right. And so like, there are these major life things, right? When you start thinking about just living in a neo-capitalist society where everything's on sale, right? Mm. <laughs> um, One can't afford to not have that. It's like, I always tell students, it's like, look, Somebody paid for this microphone. Somebody's paying for these lights. Um, and I might be you. It might not be me, but somebody is. There's somebody. Because this isn't free. I didn't show up to this place that I work to volunteer. I, yeah. I'm getting paid. 
Um, so I, I think that's important. And so I, I think what you're trying to do is, is, is amazing. I, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out was just, just to hear more about your experience. Cause you're absolutely right. I, 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 when I first got to Fuller, I was newlywed, not even a year. I think we had only been married maybe like 10 months. Uh, but I, as a single brother, a cishet male, I had never had so many offers for the booty uh, than I had had when I first got to Fuller. That first year, it was booty left and right. Had I been another dude, and there were other dudes that came and had, did that and then get, ended up getting divorced, mm-hmm. um, it would have it taken a different way. But again, who was talking about that? Who was monitoring that? Again, you know, who was... Yeah. <laughs> the admissions counselor was, was making passes at me. I was like, oh... What in the hell is going on here? Like, hold up. Welcome to seminary. Right. Welcome to seminary. Right. That and, uh, oh, who was it? It was the Old Testament professor. I remember when I first got there, it was I meet the professor day. And the first thing this nigga said was, oh, I used to have black babies when I lived in London. And I always adopted black babies. And I'm like, motherfucker, I don't care about no black babies. What scholarships you got for a brother, man? To hell with your black babies. Oh, oh my God! I'm forgetting his name, but he was he was an Old Testament scholar from 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 England. That was the first thing out of his mouth. Not hi, how you doing? What's your name? Oh, black babies. I'm like, ah, damn. So, anyways, what in the world? Right, right. Isn't that isn't that just wild? <laughs> yeah. Like, not okay. Oh not my so- gosh. <laughs> Ruth, where can folks find you? They want to bring you out and say, all right, let's get Ruth a nice endowment maybe they got a fellowship a nice fat fellowship for you oh, uh maybe somebody in the industry is like oh no we need to hire her her voice sounds amazing we need to bring her on the next episode of the marvel universe shoot oh that's so kind yeah i'm my uh my website's heyruth.com perfect hey yeah yeah perfect, perfect. you can find everything you want there and if you want all the documents uh, about my correspondence with fuller seminary that's at my link tree so just go to link tree okay. slash ruth schmidt okay I will put these all in the show notes, White Arch Podcast, oh. Profane Faith. Check it out. All the show notes, the links will be there along with that link to the initial posting that you put out that I was like, oh, I got to reach out to Ruth and get her mm-hmm. on the show. So um, thank you so much for coming on today and just taking time and sharing your life and your thoughts and your passions and what's going on uh, with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. You're great. <laughs> <laughs> this was great. This was great. I'll get, I'm going to have to get you back on. We'll, ha- well, I'll have to have some special or something, and I have to bring you back on. So Right on. When I'm employed, I'll reach out and be like, hey, I got a job. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. There you go. That's right. That's right. Well, blessings and Godspeed to you. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics, 
In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there.